Now, the old system of government that was restored by people at the Congress of Vienna only lasted for a very short amount of time. A combination of different forces, including nationalism, would soon lead to revolution in almost all of Europe. We might as well start with France. Now, in France, there was an unexpected revolt. This revolt happened in 1830, and it ended the Bourbon dynasty's rule over France. Now, after the revolt, the liberal leaders turned to a man by the name of Louis Philippe. Louis Philippe was someone who was part of the royalty. Now, even though he was a member of the royalty, and usually people of the royalty were looked down upon by the liberals and the radicals, he was someone they could trust because he was willing to accept new and radical reforms. So there was still a king, Louis-Philippe, but he would share power with something called the French Chamber of Deputies. Now, this French Chamber of Deputies was elected by the middle and upper classes, so the poor people still didn't have much of a say, but things had definitely changed to make things more equal. Now, I didn't talk about Great Britain that much in this season, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it now. So in 1832, two years after that unexpected revolt in France, the Parliament in Great Britain passed a reform bill. This reform bill gave full political rights to most men of the middle class. However, this was still less than about 20-25% of most male citizens, so it was by far not, you know, the equality that people had hoped for, or at least the radicals had hoped for, but it was getting there. Now, the bill also provided new representation from people of before underrepresented cities like Manchester and like Birmingham. However, representation from the countryside and people from rural areas was reduced. Now, this this reform bill was really, really popular in by the liberals because it had made very moderate changes and very, well, I don't want to say very small changes, but it didn't make these huge radical measures. But it had still brought change and it still kind of paved the way for equality. So the liberals were happy. It also showed that, you know, there is a way to achieve change through a peaceful and an orderly way that avoids bloodshed. However, later, the working classes, people that weren't uh, benefited by this reform bill, they would go on to seek further reforms. But for now, things looked to be uh, in great shape. By the middle of the 19th century, so the middle of the 1800s, the longing and the pressures for democracy and reforms, they had begun to build in all of Europe. 
Now, at the time, something called the Industrial Revolution was going on. And to put it in simple terms, the Industrial Revolution was every country really industrializing. They were, uh, factories were popping up everywhere. We were seeing more factories, less farming, and more uh, kind of mechanized and modernized ways to do things. We were seeing mass production. Now, even though this was good for the economy, it wasn't good for the people because it had created this huge and overpopulated cities. And thus, you had very filthy slums that people would live in. Now, the liberal leaders continued speaking up about, you know, reforming these urban slums to make the living conditions better. But people were tired of it. People wanted change and people wanted change fast. So many of them turned to radicals. These radicals promised change, if necessary, by violence. And in 1848, violence would come. Revolutions would happen in most of Europe, but let's break it down kind of area by area. So in Central Europe, the nationalists had rebelled for a variety of reasons. Um, In Hungary, there were a lot of people that wanted to end the Austrian rule of Hungary, just like in kind of in Italy, the same thing happened in Italy. In the German states, as I mentioned in the last episode, um, they people wanted to achieve national unity. Now, you're probably expecting me to say that all of these revolts would prevail, just like had the French Revolution. But almost all of them actually didn't. And this was mostly due to disagreements between the rebels and additionally to the very strong armies that were able to extinguish the rebellions by the rulers. However, the rebellions in 1848 would foreshadow the changes that would come in the decades to follow. So let's take another look at France, where we left off in Paris, Louis-Philippe was the ruler. Well, that wouldn't be for very long. Louis-Philippe was overthrown, and to replace him was a radical democratic government. However, this radical democratic government itself wouldn't have power for very long. In this radical democratic government, there was an election, a national election, and this election was to choose the president. As president, Louis-Napoleon Bonaparte was chosen. Does that name sound familiar? He is the nephew of Napoleon. And four years later, he got rid of the Chamber of Deputies, and he declared himself emperor. Emperor. 